Hey guys, this is Joy. And this is Claire. And uh, we are here. We are here in November now. So hello, everybody. It's the end of the year. I was listening to the Busy Phillips podcast last week, and she was like, I'm done with this year. I'm going to declare, I think it was like, you know, the third week in October or something. She was like, I'm going to declare this as my new year. And I was like, I kind of like that. I really do, because it just feels like it has been a rough year been a rough few years i feel like we've all felt this right (laughs) yeah for the past few years i mean are we ever going to stop saying that being a human is just hard but the idea of like even just starting over now i'm like okay let's start to like because at new year's eve we all feel that like weird pressure to be like Instagram, Pinterest perfect of like writing down your resolutions. And I'm like, I just like, can we start preparing for next year now? Like that to me feels a little like I need like a running start. I just need a running start. Yeah, I need Um, a runway. Becky says my birthday is October 23rd. So I always start over my new year on my birthday. That's perfect. Happy belated birthday, Becky, by the way. Yeah, that's so That's I kind of have the same thing because my birthday's at the end of November, and I always feel like when I get to New Year's, we do. We've talked about this in the podcast before. We're like, I've already just kind of looked over my past. Yeah, you had like a review, kinda, a year in yeah, review. Mm-hmm. I've processed it already, and then we get to New Year's, and I'm like, I just did this. I don't need to do it again. Yeah, Although, and understandable. Yeah, I do love like a you know a little New Year's resolution moment every once in a while, but I also can do that with my birthday. So. Mm-hmm. I agree. I don't know. The next two months are really busy for me at work. And so whether I've been in the industry I'm currently in, which is sort of like out, I mean, it's not sort of, it's outdoor apparel, or I've been in the ski industry, winters are always so crazy for me. Like November, December, when when things are getting cold and skiing is starting, I've always been almost always had a job that's like ski adjacent. And so that's what the end of the year means for me. Like I don't get that sort of like, all right, let's get this over with feeling about the calendar year because I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to get people to buy socks. (laughs) I always thought that would be such a hard industry to work in because you're constantly living in a different season work-wise and then you kind of have to like snap back to the present. Do you have anything in mind because your birthday is coming up this month? As far as a year in review, have you started to think about that at all? No, not really. I mean, I did do at the beginning of 2023, I did like a 23 and 23 little list. That list has actually gone pretty well. There are a few things on there where I'm like, oh, well, that's not going to happen. Like, I'm definitely not going to read. I was like, I'm going to read 23 books, like a book a month or two books a month. Like, I can do that. No, I should have done like 10. I think I'll probably get to 10. But then there are things like running the five, the trail race that I wouldn't have probably, like I would have said I wanted to do it, but I probably wouldn't have actually done it if I hadn't put it on my list. So, I mean, you guys know me. Like I'm a real kind of setting goals or resolutions for me is really, I'm more interested just in doing that as like the activity of the list making. And then the actual fulfillment of the goals kind of becomes like a a little bit secondary. (laughs) But I also, I mean, it's not like a major, it's not a milestone birthday. I'm going to be 36. Is that right? Are you 46? Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Then I'm going to be 36. Mm -hmm. I saw this funny tweet the other day that was like, me at 19 using a fake ID. I'm 21. My birthday is October 3rd. I am a I am a Libra. I was born under a quarter moon. And <laughs> me at 35 trying to buy alcohol. I don't know. I'm like in my 30s, 30, 32, 35? 35 sounds right. <laughs> I always laugh when people ID me and I'm always like, oh, thank you. Because they're not like doing it to, I think, well, they're probably doing it because their job. They're not doing it to flatter you, you know, for me, because it's obvious I'm not. I'm of age. I'm not. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's just, but my reaction every time people ID me is I'll be like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. 
always just assume that they're like short person. ID her. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever have a fake ID? No. I really tried to have one, but in Boulder, it's really, they're ruthless about IDs in Boulder. And it's very hard to get away with a fake. So the other thing is I'm like on the younger, because I'm a kind of fall, early winter birthday, I'm on the younger side of like my kind of cohort of friends. So I was one of the first people to turn 21. So I didn't feel like super left out. But I also, when I was in college, I was dating, I I dated someone who was two years older than me. And so if like we needed alcohol, he could just go buy it. Mm, So that made it easier. Yeah, I had one and it was so funny because my you friends did? That's Oh yeah. Like- no <laughs> I was a rebel. No, I really wasn't. It terrified me every time I used it. But you know, back in the day when this was like I don't I don't know, do people get away with using fake IDs now? I don't know. I'm not like in that world. I would like to know if people can get away with it. But I remember I was um meeting up with some friends from ASU and these two guys that I had gone to high school with that were at ASU as well. They were so funny. Mike and Jason. Mike and Jason. They're so <laughs> they were so much fun. They were just kind of like my buddies. And they were like, we found this ID and it looks exactly like you. And I think her name was like Vanessa Granzino or something. And she did. She looked exactly like me or close enough to where it was like, just whatever. It was just so funny. So yeah, I memorized all her stats and got into many a club. (laughs) Yeah, many a club, many clubs. Yeah, she would have to be like two or three years older than me. But yeah, I used her ID and got into I I, I mostly wanted to get into clubs so I could dance like I wasn't really going to get hammered. I mean, occasionally, yes. But yeah, it was just it was so funny. I just had a flashback of going to the Rio in Tempe, Arizona, drinking Long Island iced teas. I recently heard an armchair expert, they were talking about like the service industry, Their, their armchair anonymous episodes are so, so funny and so gross. And I'm not going to repeat the story, but basically one of the bartenders was telling a story and she's like, these people just started ordering Long Island iced teas. And she's like, and you know, when people are ordering Long Island iced teas, they're just getting, they're just there to get wasted because it is like every single type of right. liquor. It's like, like when you would go to 7-Eleven and just get like every single flavor in your cup of the yes, soda. Yes, of the it's soda. Like that, but- That's exact. <laughs> and I'm like, I would go... They, I think they had like some insane deal of like $3 Long Island iced tea. Like just Oh, yeah. Boulder had a similar, <laughs> like a sandwich shop on the hill where like from three to five on Thursdays, you could get like a $3 Long Island iced tea. And so everyone would just go there right after class because, um, you know, I'm sure it was Thursdays because it's like Thirsty Thursdays. And so you would just go straight from class and just at 3.30, you're just hammered because <laughs> they don't God. taste like alcohol. No. I mean, they they're, like, but they're not like, ugh. yeah. Mackenzie anyway, said yeah, it's still there and it's $5 now. <laughs> oh, Susan the says, my dad was... ordered one thinking it was a special tea. Oh, oh, oh that is a big dad that is a for That them. is a bless your heart moment. <laughs> oh, it's so great. I don't know how I drink so many sugary alcoholic drinks. I can't drink regular soda without a stomach ache now. Absolutely agree with you, Jacqueline. I look back and I'm like, how did I do any of that? If I had... How? How on earth did we do any of anything, really? I anything. mean, like I had one glass of wine last night and it was like pretty hard for me to get up. <laughs> How do we do it? Completely also, fair. Yeah. Like, I don't even really enjoy being drunk anymore at all. Like, no. even if I start to feel tipsy, I'm like, oh, I don't like this. I don't remember it. the last time I was drunk. Actually, I do. The last time I was drunk was when we did a wine tasting 
at Infinite Monkey with my parents, probably. And this was like back in the macro counting days where I was barely eating anything. So going to Infinite Monkey to do a wine tasting tour, I was hammered. And I just remember in the car on the way to dinner, just being like, oh my gosh, I am so drunk right now. That's the last time I was like super hammered. I can't, like, I can't do it. Yeah, it's, I sound 80, but like, why do our bodies betray us this way? I just, the other thing is I watch the, the housewives reality shows and they wasted constantly. They're constant. They're so, they drink so much. It's almost like how on earth do these women who are like in their 50s put down that much alcohol? It's interesting to me. The last time I got wasted, we went to like a we went to like a dinner. It was during it was probably in summer of 2020. It was during COVID. It was when they were all the restaurants were doing those like little tents. We were like on our own in this little tent at this like really cute restaurant in Longmont. They kept bringing out like cocktail like it was like a pre-fee dinner. Every course had a had a full cocktail to go with it. So by the yeah, end, I had had like, like a six cocktail. Yeah, they do like a pairing with yeah. everything. And like and the, and, and I literally was like, I can't. I can barely even drink one cocktail. By the end, I literally think I had probably like four. And then we biked home, and I just got home and was like, I'm. And I just like was sick the rest of the night because the alcohol <sighs> and then the biking. <laughs> oh my gosh! I just. I just really, but okay, as a side note too, for the reality shows and drinking, for anyone out there who watched or watches the um, Love is Blind series, one of the guys from that show started this network called, I think it's called the You Can Network, because he saw how horrible the reality show contestants or participants or cast or whatever, how horribly they're treated and how much they are kind of like encouraged to drink because it creates all of this chaos. So he's he's doing this like consulting and I don't know what kind of business it is, but I remember seeing a post on LinkedIn and he podcasts about it now and it's like all, he's trying to kind of like go against the reality show treatment of celebrities or or their cast or whatever. And I'm like, that's kind of, that's interesting. It's interesting, but it doesn't surprise me. Of course, they're trying to make people act like insane <laughs> fools because that's, right, that's, that's going to get rid to watch. We it's what's watch fun to watch who are dumpster fires i don't want to watch like a well-adjusted guy who can hold his alcohol i want to no. watch someone go batshit over something minor yeah like vanderpump i've been going back and watching all the vanderpump episodes and they are hot messes and Donna it's says, yeah it would be interesting to see a reality show of sober people i feel like it would be the equivalent of like when they turn the lights on at the club and you'd be like oh <laughs> that's the worst that's the worst <laughs> Closing time. Yeah, yeah, I always ew, play ew. that song. Yeah. <laughs> and then the lights come on and you're like, no, no. Like, oh, no. Oh, no. Walk away. Walk away. Walk away. <laughs> oh. So yeah, it's, it just reminded me of the episode of Sex in the City. There's this episode where Carrie goes home with this like really hot guy. And um, it's the main character of the guy who's on Justified now, I think. Anyway, she goes home with this guy and it's like all lovely and bougie in his apartment with like sexy lighting. And she wakes up and it's this, like dumpster fire of an apartment with like dirty dishes in the sink and like a really dirty roommate that walks in on her while she's peeing. Like it's She's like, get me out of here. Oh, no. Speaking of dumpster fires, should we talk about Britney's memoir? I haven't read it. Can you talk about it? <laughs> sure. Yeah. 
I mean, so if you've been living under a rock, Britney Spears has a memoir out called The Woman in Me. I mean, she's been advertising this for probably since early this spring. We knew it was yeah, coming. Yeah, months and months. Yeah. Sorry, I just saw The Golden Bachelor. I, I'm like, I really want to watch that. Anyway, <laughs> so Britney's memoir is, I'll just say, I'll kind of summarize it with this. Is like, it's not surprising. We should not be surprised by anything in this book. And it's, there's an introduction. I listened to it. It's read by Michelle Williams, which she does a lovely job. So I could listen to her voice all day. She does such a good job narrating this book. And and that whole thing was Brittany was like, it was pretty traumatic for me to even write this. I didn't feel like I could then go and reread it back out. Right, right. And so she kind of does an intro at the beginning saying that, but also like her voice just sounds like really crackly. I almost feel like she has this damage to her voice from all the years of like, whatever, like singing and shows and whatever. I mean, I don't know. Did she lip, maybe she lip synced a lot, but her just, her voice sounds really rough. So I was like, I don't know if I want, want her reading that whole book. It just like, it kind of hurts me to hear some sometimes when she talks. Michelle Williams' voice is very soothing. So it is such a testament to how horrible the late 90s and early 2000s, I mean, let's not, I mean, mo- a lot of generations, but especially female pop stars and females in celebrity in the late 90s, 2000s, of how horrible the systems treated women. And because she was the most famous pop star during that time, the system was, I mean, the media beast, the media giant was horrible to her. So it talks a lot about that and how, you know, her family was really horrible to her. There was a lot of dysfunction in her family. I'm not going to do like spoilers, but I I think the bottom line is like, it's not surprising everything that she went through. She was a victim of horrible family trauma. And then going into the spotlight at such a young age with a media that just wanted to capitalize on her fall, the fall of Britney Spears. I feel like that was, it was so sad to me because I'm like, oh, she's just really, she was sexualized. I mean, all the documentaries out there that are like, you know, the interviews where people were commenting on her body and commenting on her sex life. And, you know, I remember even thinking at that time, like, oh, is she a virgin? Is she not a virgin? That was like a big deal of like, whether or not Britney Spears had lost her virginity. And it's like, that was our business. And so, of course, she kind of reached a point where her family was so horrible to her and everyone was just kind of like this feeding frenzy of wanting to make money off of her that the reason that she shaved her head was she was like, I was so sick of people making money off of me because I was pretty. And it was her way of being like, F all of you. And like just shaving her hair off and being like, I'm going to make myself as quote unquote ugly as possible. So it's really just devastating. She talks a lot about the relationship with Justin, a lot about like, you know, the reasons why she was like, you know, getting drunk and getting married in a chapel in Vegas for a night. And the fact that she's still here (laughs) is, I mean, I, I hate to say it that way, but she's, she has survived a lot. And I can't even imagine like having that level of fame where people are just wanting to make so much money off of your demise. And the fact that she's able to even just talk about it is pretty inspiring. So I highly recommend it. I It's also just kind of like that reflection. If you watched, I think it was Woodstock something. I can't remember that Woodstock documentary, but it was all about the, the 90s, like that big concert festival where like it was just, it was a huge train wreck. It kind of talked about, it reminded me of that movie as well, where you're just like, oh my gosh, the treatment of women. It was just 
horrible, horrible. What are you? You're not talking about Woodstock, Woodstock. Not Woodstock, Woodstock. What's like, that movie? Everyone is anyone? Uh, blah, 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 blah. Let me Google it really quick. Yeah, Woodstock '99. There we go. Or it's, yeah, I think the the actual title is, is called Trainwreck, mm. <laughs> Woodstock 99, which should tell you everything. The narrative around Britney has always been so interesting, but I'm glad that, I hope that this will force people to be like, okay, we as a society sort of did this to Britney. Exactly. Like, exactly. For whatever she is now, whatever problems she has, like we should not have all been collectively at 18 talking about her boobs and her virginity and like that level of, of obsession. Like she came of age in what was really one of the most toxic media environments in modern history, truly. With yeah the like misogyny and like the peak well, peak peak of diet culture the yeah and rage of, like, yeah it was it was called Wood the woodstock movie was talking a lot about white male rage yeah right and like there was so much misogynistic behavior there was so much rage against women and, and rage not to say that like this stuff isn't still around but now we've in the last several years we've finally gotten to the point where well people will call it out we'll stand up for themselves we'll stand up for others and that was not happening at all during the you know early 2000s and late 90s yeah. and i think back to that and it's like she really bore the brunt of everything that was wrong with the media in that time period worldwide Mm-hmm. And it's really, yeah, to your point, like the fact that she's even still here. I, I think giving more context to that too, if you do the watch that documentary, if you're if you're kind of like, I don't get it, then watch that documentary and I think you'll get it a little bit more because that, wa- that was my young 20s. Like I right. was 19, 20 around that time of like the late 90s, early 2000s. And so I was just out of high school into college when that really started picking up. And I look back at that and my heart hurts for that girl that I was because I saw a lot of it. I put up with a lot of of that rage with men and like just their like the audacity of thinking that they owned you or that they could do whatever they wanted to you or say whatever they wanted to you or grope you even. Like it, it was a culture where I'd go to a club and people would just grab whatever they wanted. And like that was that was okay. <laughs> and and so, in fact, not not just okay, but it was like, oh, you should be flattered. Totally. It was such entitlement. Yes, Mira. So it that was definitely something I saw and experienced myself where watching that gives a lot of validation. But also, if we want to look at it and how Britney was treated too, it's like, it, and, and at that time, everything was so new and it was the early 2000s and Y2K and everything was exciting. And I think that level of media was very different as well. Coming out of like the 90s, it was mostly just like an occasional headline here and there. It wasn't like super paparazzi heavy until Paris Hilton hit the scene, until Britney hit the scene. Totally. And, but and- at the same time, that was before social media. And so those people didn't have their own voice at all. Like there was no like Britney's exactly. Instagram account. Right. Was, you know, it was all, the only thing you knew were through heavily edited interviews, were through magazine interviews, tab- you know, headlines, all these things. And there was like, I think social media has been a travesty of the human experience, but it does allow for a pretty high level of like first person fact checking, which we didn't have at all. And so you kind of just like had to go off of the interviews and it was like, oh, okay, well then I guess Brittany's a slut. And that was the 
if that was the narrative, then that was the information you had. Right. So I like I was a little I mean, obviously I'm younger than you. I was in more like middle school, high school when that was all happening. And also thinking back of like this, these were the people that I was like emulating at 11, 12 years old. Like, ugh, that was rough. Mm-hmm. And it really made me think a lot around even now with her Instagram and how she's on there dancing and putting herself out there. That just based on what she says in her book, that makes her happy. What ends up happening is people start making fun of her and they're like, oh, look what I mean, I had to stop following that account because it felt like I was participating in something that was like, I know she's doing that because she makes her happy. But when I look at it, I felt sad. I was like, oh, she's just like, there's something about it when I'm seeing people's comments and just like, I don't know, I just felt like it was participating in something kind of toxic, not to quote one of her songs. But it really was like something that I wanted to just like, let her I don't want to be I don't want her to be the tiger in the cage anymore. Like I'm not yeah, I I don't want to be I don't want her to be a spectacle. I just want to like, let her live her life. I don't need to like pay any more attention. Yeah, I I feel like I can't watch that without having judgments. I'm like, I don't want to go there. Yeah, it's, it's hard. Anyway, so have you finished the whole book? Yeah. Do you think, is it worth it? Yeah, I mean, it's, I wouldn't say, uh, yes, yes, if you're a Britney fan, I think it's worth it because it's, to me, listening to it made me more compassionate. I mean, I've always been compassionate towards her. I think at first it, you're kind of like, what the heck is going on? But I think I've always had this moment of like, I can't imagine what she has gone through. And the book gives that, not that we need validation, like she needs to live her life. But I wanted to give her, I wanted to listen to it in the sense of like, I want to hear what she has to say. And I want to hear her side of the story. Everyone else has spoken for her. There's been all these documentaries about what she's done where she has not had a voice. So for her to have that voice, I think it's important that we support her work in that way. Because she is she's so talented and i really like i'm sad that the industry also made her not want to perform anymore like she has no interest in performing and doing music anymore and that makes me so sad because i truly think she's talented i mean if she was to put out a song today because it's her voice it would make millions you know and i I know she's not in it for the money because i think she sees like how horrible money can make people but she has no interest in performing anymore all she wants to do is like paint and do dance videos and like that's great that that is great and there's a part of me that's like selfishly wants her to perform again because I'm like oh Brittany you're so talented like you're whatever but maybe that's me participating in the media beast that I'm like we want more Brittany you know like let her live her life so yes I would say read it if you're a Brittany fan it's I'm not gonna say it's like earth-shattering gossip or anything it's just it's just like yes we love you, Brittany. Yeah. I am listening, and I think I've talked about this a couple weeks ago. I haven't gotten very much further. I'm listening to Page Boy, the Ellen, Elliot Page. Oh, yeah. Elliot, Elliot, Page Elliot Page, yeah. Memoir. His voice is very soothing. Like, it's very kind of slow and, like, kind of mo- kind of monotone, but more just, like, I don't know. There's a very, like, um, meditative quality to his voice. So I've h- had to speed it up a little bit. When I'm driving on my commute, because I like get too, too like lulled, I'm like, I yeah, gotta go to work. I you're go to so work. lulled by the voice, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is really interesting. I mean, I think it's interesting if you're looking on the topic of memoirs. If you're looking for a memoir, I am always just really interested when somebody has had to go through 
a big transition of whatever it is in the public eye? Like, what does it really look like behind the scenes to kind of reckon with that? Because I think like we all have moments in our lives where we think, oh, I can't change this thing about myself because like it's too late. So I think that's been a really interesting angle. And on the topic of memoirs and also on the topic of some current news, which by the time you guys hear this, this is going to be old news. But right. um, let's talk about the Matthew Perry memoir, which I know you read. And also mm-hmm. that Matthew Perry passed away as of this recording last night. We don't, the details are still coming out again. Like by Thursday, we'll know the whole story by the time you guys hear this. Yeah. But that was a shock. That was such a shock. That was truly one of those moments where when I saw it, I didn't see your injustice text until after I was like scrolling because I, whatever, I was just like on my computer. And then I saw that I was like, oh my gosh, my heart dropped and fell and I got so sad and I audibly gasped and I was like, no, oh no, my God, like... It's so, so sad, but also like, then your brain goes to a place of, oh, I was, I was so hoping this wasn't going to happen, you know, like after everything that he'd been through, because if you've read his memoir, oh, that's a really good memoir. If you really want to understand addiction a little bit better, you guys know, I love reading memoirs and biographies. I think it's such a I don't know. I just love hearing people's stories. His is probably one. There's two memoirs that stick out to me where I'm like, gut punch. Well, three. Matthew Perry's memoir, Anthony Kiedis's memoir, and Kurt Cobain's memoir. Those three like hurt my heart so bad after reading them that you just were like, the addiction is so devastating on a human. I'm not trying to comparative suffer with any of these people, but Matthew's addiction was horrendous. Like when we say addiction, it's not like for him to get over his addiction. I was surprised that he was even sober. Like, and I saw the interview with um, Diane Sawyer earlier this summer. He did a like a interview with her and she came to his house and he he looked okay. But there was a part of me that was like, oh man, Matthew, are you going to be okay? And I think like whatever he was struggling with, I don't know. I don't want to make any assumptions at all of like how he passed away, but it eerily reminds me of how Whitney Houston passed away, which I hope to goodness it was like, whatever. Like, I just hope to goodness it was like that he wasn't suffering or, you know, whatever it was, but it's just tragic and it's so sad. But his memoir really dives into the how horrible his addiction was. And I know he was just based on his memoir alone, it sounds like he struggled so much his entire life. So I hope he's no longer in pain. It crushes my heart. I'm thinking of everyone that worked with him. My immediate thoughts was like, oh my gosh, the cast of Friends and everyone who worked on that show is in so much pain right now. My thought too was like, if you're at that level of famous and your friends are that level of famous as a if that's your life how many people who are who you're close to do you find out about their death through the media because there's no way that you know you can you can't stop that train to say like wait a minute we have to talk to it we have to get in touch with his friends like no yeah think about how many people who you would consider that you're close with that you're gonna find out if you're at that level of famous, that like you're going to exactly. find out, you know, that your yep. best friend passed away because you see a, yep. a tweet about I it. I mean, that's got to be the hardest. I, I read Stephanie Whittle's Wax memoir almost every year because it's so amazing. Um, it's called Everything is Horrible and Wonderful. And it's about her brother who passed away from a drug overdose, Harris Whittles, who was 
on Parks and Rec, wrote on a ton of different shows, or he wrote for Parks and Rec, but he was also the, he was on Parks and Rec. She talks about that when he passed away and he was, I mean, whatever, we're not comparing fame, but he wasn't like top tier A-list fame. And even then when he passed away, she had to rush to find where her mom was, to find her, because they didn't want to call her and tell her. They had to, like, run to find her where she was at dinner. Right. So they could tell her because the news news was coming out because TMZ had caught it. She's like, on top of us finding out and having to process that grief, trying to all of a sudden beat it to the punch of the news, like trying not to get make the news be how your family member finds out a loved one passed away. Like, oh, the world is so weird. So that... Yeah, I can't. I'm just so sad for that level, like how fame does that to people. So I think what I'm going to do this weekend, the rest of this weekend, yeah, I hate TMZ. Priyana says, I hate TMZ so much for that reason. It is. It's like, how do you live with yourself? How do you go to sleep at night if you work for a place like that where they're just like, it's all about the money. It's all about the dollar bills. But in honor of Matthew Perry, I'm going to be doing a lot of Friends reruns this week. It just makes me so sad. It just... Ooh, I'm getting a little emotional. It's like, I think about, like, these shows mean so much to us. Like, my whole, like, young 20s was, like, watching Friends with My Mom and, like, how much we laughed and how someone that you'll never meet, like, means so much to you. And, like, that show truly, I think, saved a lot of people from like, stupid stuff you're going through. And, yeah, like, and from Friends was, like, and- yeah, Friends was, like, a touchstone for me and like even now it's like a comfort show and why I'm crying over a stupid comfort show right now I don't know but like that's it just makes me so sad because that's what I think that's how media can touch people and like re- the the good side of media and the good side of like Hollywood can touch people in that way to make you feel less alone and like it's so sad that he that he's gone it's just so sad i mean friends is an iconic iconic show for an entire generation you know for really two generations he was an iconic iconic character on that show and then you know like i saw a thread what are we calling that still thread that this morning that was like threads yeah Yeah. thing on thread thing on threads whatever it is Uh, yeah about it basically said exactly that. It was like, if you're feeling devastated about the passing of an actor who you never met in real life and you're feeling silly about that, don't. Like, it's just because you never met that person doesn't mean you don't have memories with them. And I thought that was a really good way to put it because it's like, you know, That's and a I, great way and, to put it. Yeah, like you have memories and in, in important parts of your life that involve that person, whether it was in, you know, face to face or not. And I, I also just think like, never talk yourself out of a genuine human emotion. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Feel your feelings. Yeah. And speaking of feeling your feelings, Jeanette McCurdy has a new podcast called Hard Feelings. If you don't know who Jeanette McCurdy is, she was a child actor. I think it was like, what was it? Nickelodeon or Disney Channel? Help me out, people in the chat. Because it was she was, she was, I was like after her time. She was too young for me. But she was on a show called iCarly. Oh, yeah. That was Disney. It was, that okay. was too... That was like right after my time. So if you're in your like late 20s, early 30s, I think that's more the iCarly time frame. Okay. It's Nickelodeon. Oh, Nickelodeon. Sorry. Yeah. Thank you. Our chat friends are keeping us honest. Um, <laughs> but she was on iCarly Car- I- I and I'd never watched that show. It was like, again, she was younger for me. She wrote a memoir last year or this earlier this year called I'm Glad My Mom Died. And it's because 
the titles really like you're like what because the relationship she had with her mom was horribly abusive horribly abusive and so she wrote that memoir which is a really devastating and beautiful memoir as well it's it's so so good actually i need to re-listen to that because it's so good but she had she's had a podcast but she has since started a new podcast called Hard Feelings on the Lemonada Media Network, which is also produced by Stephanie Whittles Wax, who I just adore. I adore her so much. Um, she's one of those people that I'm like, I wish I could be friends with her in real life. Like you kind of like pretend that you're friends IRL, even though like you'll probably never meet them. That show is her just having feelings and recording them. Like this morning was one around, I think it was, I listened to one around shame. She talks about pressure and they're only like 15 minutes long, but it's like her going through talking through a feeling like in real time. And I really like it because she did this disclaimer at the beginning of the first episode where she's like, I'm so sick of everyone being like, I'm having this feeling, but oh, so-and-so has it worse than me. She's like, can we just stop like disclaiming our feelings? <laughs> Putting a disclaimer on it, it's almost like we say we're sad or that we're struggling and then we're like, oh, but so-and-so has it worse. Like, I have a friend that does this all the time. It drives me crazy. And I always tell her, I'm like, stop doing that. Like, if you have a feeling, just say you have a feeling because she'll do this thing where she's like, I'm struggling with da-da-da-da-da, but I'm so, like, blessed in these other other ways. And, like, I, you know, I think about everything that's going on in the world. I don't have it as bad. I'm like, are we going to keep doing that? Yeah, we've we've talked about that where it's like, okay, listen, there's, there's a difference between having perspective, which is important, of, you know, keeping yourself in check and thinking to yourself, oh, you know, I have this problem and it could be worse. But at the same time, it could also be better. Like, perspective is helpful and it can help keep you from being in a deep, dark pit. But also, like, don't use it as a mechanism to to not feel your feelings. Because I also feel like that is an avoidance mechanism. Like it's not just, you're not just doing yourself a disservice by sort of invalidating your own feelings. But I kind of see it as a lot of people use it who are maybe subconsciously or consciously avoiding feeling a hard feeling by just being like, but it's no big deal. I don't want to, you know, like they don't want to have to process it. They don't really right. want to dig into it because they're like, oh, right. it's not that bad. It's no big deal. It could right. be so much worse. And it's like, yeah, it could yeah. be a lot worse. But that doesn't yeah. mean you don't still need to like feel your feelings about this. And yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I think like if I think about myself when I do that, it's because I don't want, not pity, but I almost Want, don't want to be like, oh, don't feel bad for me or something. Like, I think that's kind of where yeah, I go with it. I kind of do it from a place of like, I find myself doing it from a place of like, oh, I'm not so important as to have like, I don't want people to think that I believe myself to be such a big deal that I can right. like, I uniquely possess a negative yeah. reaction to this. Yeah. Yeah. Or like um, that I'm and I talk. I did a talk yesterday at Kylie's event and I, I was kind of talking about this too, where it's like, if I say that I'm having a hard day. I immediately think of everyone around me who's going through hard things. And I'm like, oh, am am I saying it out of, are they looking at me being like, wow, you, yeah, you have a real rough life. Look, at, And that's where I get insecure about even just talking about that stuff sometimes. But you can't keep doing that to yourself. Like you just have to kind of, just because you're having a hard day doesn't mean you're also like, saying screw everything else go- going on in the world look at me you're just basically being like this is hard right now and i can also acknowledge that the world is going through a hard time Ugh, why is it so complicated being a human i don't get it i don't get it <laughs> okay a few other things we wanted to touch on today joe is back it's official joe's home we've all been loving all your instagram stories Ugh. 
speaking of Jesus also speaking Christ. of things not to apologize for, please stop being like, sorry, so much Joe content. No one well, ever feels that way. Zero okay. people are worried uh, that, about Yeah, I kind of, I'm like, I. that's all I do is kick the ball for Joe. So I'm like, this no, is all we're going to be. Not, it's never going to get old. So <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Never stop. This is all Stay we cool, do. never change. Stay cool, never change. Oh, you guys are so sweet. Everyone's like, yay, Joe. We love Joe. Joe is back and we picked him up. So last the last recording we were picking up picking him up that day and so he's been home for exactly 1 week which is so weird and it's the when we picked him up I was envisioning this like really fun happy tail wagging reunion like I mentioned there's a bunch of puppy raisers that did like this huge road trip to get him back to Colorado they were kind of caravanning a couple of other dogs and so when the lady pulled up we met <laughs> in like the Park Meadows parking lot to meet her down south. And she opened up the back of her car and he just was like blotto. He was like, couldn't just really. Just so tired. He was exhausted. Didn't really understand that it was us, but like it was. And so at first I was like, oh my gosh, they broke Joe. We always joke whenever Joe's very tired, we're always like, oh, we broke Joe. And so I really thought they broke him. But by the time we got home, he was back to his usual happy self, playing with JT. We had Chrissy also. So he's playing with Chrissy and the cat. And so he had a lot to come home to and adjust to, but he's doing just fine. He he has settled back into his routine like he never left. It's almost spooky because he was gone for two months. He remembers, I mean, duh, but I don't know why I'm surprised by this. But dogs remember everything related to food. And every night I would give him a lick mat, like those little licky mats with, I put like cream cheese or peanut butter on it or whatever. So every night around like 6, 630, I'd give him a lick mat when he was a puppy, which, you know, puppy racers out there don't at me because I know you're probably not supposed to do that, but whatever. I did it anyway. So like, I thought he would forget about that. 630 rolls around and he just sits up and he stares at me. And I'm like, oh my God, he totally remembers <laughs> And he's like, Bring where's me my, my lick mat, lady? Where's my lick mat? And, and I know the stare. Like, I know he just stands up and he looks at me like, it's time. Like, when are we going into the kitchen? So it was really cute. He's just been, he, it took him, I could tell like the adjustment was kind of like a little weird for him the first day or two. And I was a little well, worried. Because also when he got home, you had, you were watching another dog. You had yeah. just gotten Chrissy back. And yeah. now there's a cat in the house. So he's yeah. like, I'm sorry, I leave for two months and you get three new animals? Yeah. Yeah. It was so I was a little stressed out that week because we had just adopted Butters and I didn't anticipate Joe coming back so soon or really at all. And so Joe would chase our cats when we had the two cats. So I was a little stressed out that it was going to be like a huge adjustment and that the cat would be scared and I don't want the cat to be stressed out in our house. So I went through this huge, like, emotional roller coaster of like, oh my gosh, did I just like screw everything up in our little harmony home? Joe coming back, adjusting with Joe. I was dog sitting for for a hearing dog. And then we were getting, you know, we had Chrissy as well because we're turning her in this week. But it was fine. It was fine. I just like stressed out over the stupidest stuff. But it was like, Butters is fine. Butters is a very resilient cat. Joe is like interested, but won't really chase. Like he'll, he'll be interested, but I just have to tell him no. And he's responding. Like I can tell he's matured in that way. And he's very responsive to his name now, meaning like as a puppy, they're kind of just all over the place and they'll ignore you if they want to. So everything's fine. It's, it's settling back in. We turn as of this episode airing. Uh, I will be flying today um, when this episode drops. I will be flying to Oceanside to turn Chrissy into training. So we will be back to a (laughs) 
two dog household and one cat, but it's, it's been great. I, I still have the mixed feelings of him coming back and being a little sad that he didn't get to do the service dog route, but it is what it is. And we're like more than happy to have him back. He's such a, he's such a cute little cuddler. Like anytime I lay down, he just wants to lay right in my lap and it's like, Oh, I really miss this. I so yeah. River. Yeah. Um, is a real if she's she, for the fact that her head is full of rocks she is actually very snuggly is she and Aww. I'll like especially when I'm working and I'll go sit on the floor and she just comes and lays on my legs she's really great even though she's so dumb and like uh, shout her. out to Donna in the chat who was like when everyone was like we love Joe and Donna was like and River and River <laughs> Donna Donna is the one that has Snow the cat. Donna is the one I Marco with every day. And she um, and Snow is the one who will like turn on a dime. We're like, she'll be like, and here's Snow Bear. And all of a sudden she'll be like, Rrr! That's our cats. Yeah. It's like, I love you, but not anymore. Okay, I'm back to I love cats. Cats are, I was telling my friend Leah the other day, I was like, I, this is why I love cats. They tell you exactly how they feel at yeah. all times. You don't have any question of how cats feel. It's the best. Um, Jacqueline yeah. says, my dog demands snuggles all day. And how dare me and my husband show affection without oh. including her? Oh, yeah. If, like, Brandon and I are hugging, River comes up and is, like, just hitting me in the head, in the leg with her head. Like, excuse me. <laughs> I like to include her in this. It's so funny. The same with Joe. Joe gets so jealous if Scott and I are hugging. He comes up between us and he, and, or, or he'll start jumping on us, which he never does unless he's, like, feeling left out and he's very left out whenever I give other dogs attention. It's so funny. Dogs crack me up. Animals crack me up. They really animals do. are so hilarious. Funny. Yeah. <laughs> a few more. Oh, speaking of animals, quick Pablo update. Somebody sent us a DM and was like, is there going to be a Pablo Halloween party? And I was like, what? How have we not talked about this? Yeah. So Pablo's family moved not far away, but I probably won't see them on the regular because they're in Evergreen. Yeah, they're out of the neighborhood. So we just found out about a month and a half ago that they're that they sold their house and they moved really quickly. And so um, the guys were like, I asked them, I was like, why are you moving? We just loved having them as neighbors. And um, they're all so fun. And of course, the Pablo pumpkin carving party was always such a big hit. Uh, So they're like, yeah, we have family in Evergreen. And we just wanted to be closer to our family. And then there's also animals that Pablo can play with and be around. And it was just like a better fit for their family. So they moved their cute little jack russell terriers and pablo to evergreen and i hope i'm you know it's probably a tall order to ask but i really doubt that our next neighbors are going to have a pig to put in that pig pen so no more pablo videos no more pablo pumpkin carving contest it's very sad i'm gonna miss them a lot i know i'm like how dare they how dare they move out of your neighborhood so that none of us get to enjoy the the pig pumpkin carving well yeah and i mean the neighbors of our needs the neighborhood is going to be devastated as people like walk by and there's no Pablo because neighbors would be neighbors from like streets way down would like make it a point to come to the side of the neighborhood and walk their kids and go see Pablo. And it was, you know, kids would always come by and love to feed him. And there's this really cute, I think there's got to be like a daycare that um, like an in-home daycare near me because Oh, it's so cute. This cute little uh, group of like, I want to say maybe four to five year olds are like walking through the neighborhood and they're all like strung together. Oh, yeah. Like a little pre-K. <sighs> I'm sure there and, is. It's probably like at one of the churches near you. There's so and many it's churches like, in your neighborhood. Yeah, there's a lot of churches near me. And they all just like walk down the neighborhood and it's so cute. And I'm always like, they, they're probably going to miss Pablo too. It's just sad. Yeah, it's an end of an era, Mira, for sure. 
Catherine asked what you guys and the kids and dogs are dressing up for for Halloween. Yeah. So Miles is being the um, Mandalorian era Luke Skywalker. So like all black, which I guess like at the end of some of the original Star Wars movies, Luke Skywalker is also doing the all black thing. So he's got, we were trying to DIY it. And finally I was like, this is going to be more expensive than like, you can just buy the costume for 20 bucks. <laughs> so he has the costume and the lightsaber. So he's like Luke Skywalker. Evie, because Evie, this is a true thing about Evie. You know, you guys know she wears costumes just like they're part of her kind of. Yeah, they're part of her of repertoire her for she, sure. Right. She, for her, like dressing up as something is no big deal. And so in her mind, she has this astronaut costume from last year. And in her mind, that's like her Halloween outfit. And so all of her Ooh, other costumes are like the day to day. And this one is her Halloween one. Oh, that's so smart. thankfully it still fits. Last year it was huge. So thankfully it still fits this year. She has this like shiny blue and purple. It's really cute. It's so cute. Astronaut, this little astronaut costume. So she's wearing that again, but she wanted a lightsaber also, which if you think about it, it kind of makes sense because she's like Star Wars is in space. Totally. Astronauts are in space. Why don't astronauts get lightsabers? Exactly. Like, great question, I love Evie Jones. This, I love this logic, Evie. I am. I follow. It, I it follow tracks. her logic. It yes. Totally <laughs> so she's going to be an astronaut with a lightsaber. Um, and then we, Brandon and I don't really dress up. <laughs> but you did your little cute trunk or treat. Yeah, last weekend we did a trunk or treat. I did like a we did like a balloon arch on the car, and I wore. I have this cute little orange jumpsuit, not like prison orange. <laughs> <laughs> like a burnt kind of brownish orange. Yeah. From I got it from backcountry.com, but the brand is Steo. So I wore that because it's just like autumnal. And Brandon basically just wore like a flannel and a hat and was like, I'm a scarecrow. <laughs> like, okay, sure. Can I can cut this out, but can you did do you feel like telling the story of Brennan being like, what's your outfit? <laughs> yeah. And we, we were at the trunk or treat and I was like, Brandon kept asking the kids, like, so what's your outfit? And I was really having to keep myself from being like, costume, it's a costume. <laughs> <laughs> What's your outfit? I was like, this is my like wife award for the day. It's not correcting him. <laughs> oh, yeah. What's your outfit? Costume. What are you dressed up as? No. What's your outfit? What's your outfit? What are the partner awards of, of the week? We should like... <sighs> I know. When you it had was to like, like bite one of those your silly little things where I was like, this is stupid. If I like bring this up, he's going to think I'm like micromanaging him, but he is objectively incorrect. Yeah. You're like, it's not an outfit, it's a costume. It's not okay. the red carpet. Moving on. Yeah. This is a trunk or treat. Yeah. <laughs> and then we don't really dress River up because she would eat her costume. I, the kids always want to. So maybe one, maybe one day we will. I don't know. What about you? Do you dress up the dogs? Well, does JT still have that rainbow costume? He does. And I probably won't. I mean, there's really nowhere for us to go right now. I always brought costumes because when we were working in an office, I'd parade him around and he loved it. I would always get a costume where it was just like kind of wrapped around him, kind of like a vest. So it wasn't really annoying for him. I don't love torturing. He Dogs are so, at least my dogs in the past have been... You, the second you put something on their head or whatever, they like freeze and they like won't move. And they're like, what are you doing to me? So I always try to get a costume that's kind of like just wraps around him like a vest. So the rainbow one is really a hit. Maybe I'll just put it on for a picture. I'm trying to think. I'll probably just put on my werewolf costume that I've been wearing for the past couple of years to hand out candy. If we get trick-or-treaters and if we do get trick-or-treaters, I'm going to give them so much candy because I have a huge bowl of candy. So I'm just going to be like shoveling it because I'm probably not going to get a ton because it always depends on the weather. For us in our neighborhood, it's supposed to get it's nicer not, throughout yeah, the week. Like this I is, hope it's so. snowing right now, but it's this supposed to clear out. Yeah, we get an okay amount of trick or treaters, but we live very near like a destination neighborhood where people will like drive to that neighborhood to go trick or treating. So that's like the next neighborhood to the south of us. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people go from our neighborhood to that neighborhood to that neighborhood. 
which we thought but about why? doing that. We might. Because it's um the neighborhood is called Prospect. It's that like movie set neighborhood where it looks like it looks like a movie set. Like you feel like you're on like a weird movie set. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just like a tradition at this point, but the houses are really close together also. So it's just like there's so many houses. It's just one of those neighborhoods. I don't know. I feel like like in Boulder there was always a couple neighborhoods like that. I don't know. I don't know how that I don't know how you become that neighborhood, but right. It is what it is. Full do they have full size candy bars, Catherine? They probably do. It is a pretty like well to do neighborhood. You do remember when that happened. Yes, you do. I remember the house that gave out full size candy bars. We almost became that this this year because we were at Costco and they had the full size candy bars pack. And Scott's like, we should get these. And I'm like, yeah, but then I can't get anyway. He's like, we need to be the full size. We actually could because we don't get that many. So what next year? Next year we're gonna do that. You should. They sell them at they even have them at Costco. Yeah, like that's what 30, I was saying. They yeah. like, yeah, we were looking at that versus the big bag of candy. I don't know why I didn't do this because we don't time, get that there, many. There's still time. There is still time. Yeah. Costco's just a hop, skip, and a jump away, even though <laughs> I went on Friday and it was such a nightmare. I was like, why do why do I do this to myself? Okay, this is a good point though, Mira. So I just said in the chat, you gotta be careful because you're gonna set a precedent. So you have to maintain the expectation through the which, years. Which which I'm okay with. Candy. Yeah, you know, I feel like you were a very good candidate for being the full-size candy bar house. I am 1,000% okay with that because everyone that comes to our house always wants to like, they're like, this is such a cool house. This is so fun. You got like the big scary skeleton. We've got fish in the pond. People are like always really intrigued by the house. And I think doing the full-size candy bar would just like deliver on that even more. (laughs) I'm totally okay with that. (laughs) Perfect. You're going to become the destination house. Oh, All right, guys, I think that's it for today. We hope that you had a great Halloween. By the time you hear this, we hope that you are enjoying the first day of November, days of November. You can find us on Instagram at joyandclaire underscore. You can find us online joyandclaire.com. You can email us. This is joyandclaire at gmail.com. Still spots available for Ireland. Sign up. It's going to be great. Come to Ireland with us. It's going to be the best. There's a lot of information about that in an Instagram highlight on our profile, or you can email us and we will send you the links. You can learn more if you're not on Instagram. We would really love to have you there. We we even have some mother-daughter duos coming. So bring your mom, please. Bring yes, your mom. that would be so fun. That would I be the best. Highly recommend that. Bring, I mean, bring whoever you want. Bring your bestie. Bring your bestie. Bring mom. it, yeah. Bring, bring your bestie. Bring. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for being here. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye, everybody.